स्मार्ट यू आर लिसनिंग टू अमिंट प्रोडक्शन टू अमिंट आई एम नसरीन सुल्ताना यू आर लिस्निंग टू ऑल थिंग्स मार्केट वेर आई स्पीक टू एक्सपर्ट एनालाइजिंग द बिग ट्रेंड मूविंग द स्टॉक मार्केट In what is being perceived as a tapering signal, the RBI suspended the bond purchase program, that is, GSEC acquisition program or GSAP, after rupees 2.37 trillion purchases in the first half of FY22. The Monetary Policy Committee or MPC kept its policy rates and accommodative stance unchanged but did not announce any new set of liquidity enhancing measures for the first time since the onset of COVID-19 pandemic. With surplus liquidity of above 120 billion dollar sloshing around in the system, the RBI also announced a roadmap to expand and extend the VRRR operations. So how will this measures by RBI impact bond markets and equities to understand that i am in conversation with arvind chari cio quantum advisors hi arvind welcome to the show thanks for having me back great to be speaking to you again so arvind um, we've just uh, got over with the monetary policy review uh, what are your uh, thoughts on the speech that uh, the governor made and uh, the, the takeaways so uh, very broadly if i can summarize uh, the rbi has kind of taken what we call as baby steps towards uh, monetary policy normalization and when i when i say what is monetary policy normalization it is to try and get back banking system liquidity to reasonable levels and interest rates which are at multi decade lows back to again reasonable levels so this is the the statement that the governor gave is kind of indicative that over the next 3 to 6 months the rbi will uh, take steps to uh, reduce the amount of liquidity and if i when i when i talk about liquidity today the banking system has about 10 lakh 10 to 11 lakh crores of excess liquidity which is excess money printed by the rbi available in the banking system uh, on a normal average we, the system is used to Minus two lakh crore to plus two lakh crore, so that so by this you can understand that how significantly excess the liquidity is. Now it was relevant; it was needed last year and uh, and during the second wave and after that. But maybe the time has come for uh, the RBI to reduce the amount of liquidity. And why do we need to do that? Because when you have excess liquidity, you tend to have uh, you know excess is built into the system. Like today. Uh, ipo financing for instance you know a uh, good uh, thing in terms of getting money into the ipos but getting funded at very low rates because the system is heavy liquidity short term interest rates are very very low and uh, nbfc taking uh, you know riskier nbfcs are also able to borrow at very very low rates as as compared to what they what they were borrowing say 2 3 years back so that, that's the reason why they need to kind of reduce the liquidity and i think they have started to take steps towards that and we will see the overall liquidity from the 10 11 lakh crore uh, slowly and steadily coming down right now what they have done is they have increased what they call variable rate reverse repo tenor from 14 days and they said we will do 28 days uh, i think they will increase the tenor they will need to do one month three month 
tenors to suck out liquidity for durable so that's that's on the mm. uh, on the liquidity aspect on the interest rates they haven't done anything right they've kept the reverse repo at 335 they've kept the repo rate at 4% and they've also said that they will remain accommodative which is monetary policy will remain supportive for reviving growth for as long as possible right uh, we would expect even that would change uh, not not really not not very immediately but over a period of time first the first step that they will have to take is today the reverse repo is at 335 repo is at 4% right with this liquidity sucking out overnight rates which were at 3 3.5 3.15 3.20 will come between reverse repo and repo rate so overnight rates will move in between the band of the reverse repo repo rate and uh, as they keep sucking out more liquidity they will uh, they will allow the reverse repo rates to move up so this that will be the second aspect of what we call as monetary policy normalization maybe sometime in the sometime early next year they will start thinking about whether the repo rate itself which is at 4% Uh, whether that itself needs to go up, and I and I wrote an analogy for this uh, in my pre-policy note, where I, where I compared the RBI's actions to a medical analogy. So I basically I said that uh, think of COVID as a brain stroke, and the lockdowns as the paralysis, right? So the RBI's rate cuts and liquidity infusions were like the emergency response treatment that was given. and then the government came out with atmanirbhar package the rbi gave moratorium restructuring mm. these are all like secondary medication right just to ensure that there is no infection and right now we are seeing that the economy has kind of rebounded a lot of the activity levels are back to pre covid or some of them are above pre covid levels right uh, the activity movement in terms of movement of goods movement of people travel uh, air air uh, airlines railways all of that also have come out if you look at google mobility people are driving to work places you know that is also increasing so i i kind of compared that keeping the liquidity and interest rates at crisis levels was uh, was same as compared to keeping a patient who is now moving about an independent on a ventilator with a very high flow oxygen support you know that kind of doesn't doesn't gel well or match well right so this is what their effort is now so by something about liquidity and by talking about interest rate hike sometime next year they they are taking the emergency oxygen ventilator out of the economy and allowing the economy to function on its own this is broadly my take on you know what what we heard from the governor that day hmm uh, another big announcement was about uh, discontinuing the gsap program uh, yes. this of course we saw the immediate reaction in the bond markets the yields had uh, increased now what do you think uh, how will this pan out both for the bond market and for the equities the the impact is far more uh, clear and evident for the bond markets especially when the discontinuation of the gsap program as i said has a far higher impact on the on the bond market because the gsap was a way to part fund the government's fiscal deficit right uh, so it was a big support for the demand and supply in the market supply is coming from the government in terms of increasing fiscal deficit and borrowing and demand is coming a large source from the rbi so the discontinuation of that is an indication to the markets that the rbi will no longer be strategic on you know committing to buy government bonds to support bond yields they will become more tactical so when they see a very sharp spike in bond yields and they deem it as unreasonable they'll come and do what they were doing called the operation twist right they'll sell the shorter end and buy the longer end 
to kind of control the models. But over another, apart from that, they are indicated the markets that this is one way you now start dealing with the bond supply and the bond markets on your own. This should see bond yield, long bond yields especially going up. And there are two, three other points to it. The the main point is oil prices. It's that oil prices are India's major bugbear. Short-term macro risk always is oil prices because it has an impact on the trade deficit. It has an impact on inflation and on your fiscal deficit, especially now with the huge excise. Any increase in oil prices and the government doesn't cut excise, you know, gets gets passed on to higher retail prices, which leads to inflation. So bonds have have a very genuine worry there, apart from the discount on GSAP. If oil prices go up and sustain at $90-95 for a period of time, that will be a very uh, that will be problematic for the economy. That will also be problematic for the equity markets because if if you since you asked me about equity markets, some amount of inflation is always good for equity markets because you know working capital cycles get better, inventory valuations increase, stocking of raw materials, all those prices get fed on to uh, companies which are very good operating leverage. You know their profitability, their their EBITDA levels, uh, margins increase, but but if the inflation is high and it, it goes above a threshold level and then it starts impacting you know input prices then you know profit margins so oil has to be very very closely watched and i think that will be a bigger risk uh, for both the indian bond and the equity markets uh, than the uh, the short term impact of say rbi not buying enough government bonds so you know we need to watch that very closely Right. See, RPS projection for CPI, uh, it's yeah. at uh, 5.3 for FY22, and the GDP uh, target is also not uh, changed. It's at 9.5. But of course, the governor also mentioned that there are risks from the global commodity prices which have yes. been rising. Uh, now, how does it augur for the uh, equity markets? I understand corporate earnings depend a lot on the commodity prices because there are a, a bunch of companies who which depend on raw materials like your metals, crude oil uh, yep. for their, uh, you know, products and and we are aware of the supply chain constraint that's there in the auto uh, side of the sector and governor also mentioned about the supply side uh, constraint yeah. now considering yeah. all of this do you think the cpi inflation and the gdp target would be met and how does it uh, actually pan out for the equity markets so uh, on inflation i think the supply side worries are genuine i mean uh, if i if i look at even on the global uh, scenario, uh, the demand for goods is far exceeding the supply response that can happen in a in a short period of time, and and that is causing all kinds of uh, you know global supply chain issues, pricing of global supply chain. It will also lead to what I think will happen in the in many companies and many corporate sectors is people will stock up on inventory because they if they are not certain about the supply uh, that they're going to come through, they will increase. Their inventory stocking and they'll they'll build up inventories. So this is will continue to remain a problem in global supply chain. Uh, commodity prices, uh, if the demand sustains, and you know, that is the main thing going into 2022, does the global demand, given uh, which was supported by global fiscal action, does it remain uh, as robust as you know as the mark as the commodity markets are pricing it? If they are, then then of course the supply side and the input price uh, pressures uh, will remain for equity markets. Uh, in from the positive side, I mean, if you look at the Indian equities, uh, the global demand, as I spoke about, had is starting to have its impact on Indian exports. And although the the near term momentum might have might have slowed down, but despite all these 
non-availability of ships and containers and supply chain issues, Indian exports have actually done phenomenally well over the last like 12 months or 12 to 18 months. And and that's a that that is coming out of the global recovery and the global demand. You know, so that that is a good aspect uh, that is that will get fed on to broader corporate and also uh, small and medium uh, enterprises. And also, we might just see the first signs of capex recovery coming out of uh, domestic demand as well as exports. And this is exactly what happened in, in you know in the post SARS 2003 2004 scenario where global demand increase and global ex and India's exports was the first driver of capex and then came the infrastructure and then came the normal larger private corporate capex so uh, those things are fairly attractive we just have to hope that this inflation and this price rise isn't uh, doesn't increase to such an extent that you know global central banks have to react have to tighten and that kind of derails the entire growth recovery that that remains a risk going into 2022 the other risk for equity markets is also as you said you know interest rates have been a major determinant of equity valuations right for for a, for a while now and if this inflation is uh, is misread by the markets and they all they estimate that the fed will act faster they'll be more they'll be more hawkish that can have a short term impact on you know uh, global equity markets given given where the valuations of many uh, companies and many indices are uh, flows to india uh, has been extremely attractive right if you look at uh, foreign flows in equities and if, if i look at over a three year period also you know we've seen about 50 billion dollars of foreign portfolio inflows into equities uh, that that's been very significant and that kind of you know whatever under allocation that foreigners had between say 2015 to 2018 then it got corrected in the last three years uh, and that has also driven valuations plus the domestic mutual fund flows uh, we think domestic mutual fund flows can remain uh, relatively robust fpis might slow down just on the valuation uh, purpose but if we, if say the global equity markets have a big crack and 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 valuations in india get better uh, just this entire aspect of china versus india over the last one and a half years that has become a very big thing where uh, many foreign investors will kind of relook or reassess their overall allocation to china and india happens to be the big market absorptive capacity rule of law reasonably liquid markets to absorb large capital foreigners are generally under allocated in equities especially so in bonds and we we should see that trend play out over the next one or two to three years you know so you know, so some negatives near term, which is inflation and pricing and 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 a shock from the Fed in terms of interest going up, but a lot of larger uh, benefits were export recovery, you know, capex revival, and this overall allocation to India uh, by foreign investors uh, on a sustained secular basis. Hmm. Right. Uh, but since you talked about the FIS also, yeah. uh, what do you think about the global trading agency's stance on India? Last week, we saw Modi's upgrade its uh, outlook on India. Um, but of course, it has not changed the rating. Uh, we are still at the lowest investment grade by Modi's. Yeah. Uh, do you think that after um, by when can we expect a change in the rating uh, uh, for India by the global rating agencies? So I'll just uh, give a correction. So Moody's changed their outlook. They had a negative outlook on India. Yes. Uh, yes. And they, they, they got it back to stable. 
so for at quantum for a long time we've all we've always held that the that india's rating foreign currency rating by by moody's and snp and fitch is subject to growth than debt like normally when you talk about credit rating and for you talk about debt levels and india has a very high debt level and fiscal deficit and that sort of limits india's growth we always believe that it actually growth that matters right so if india can sustain real gdp growth of 6.5 7% which means that the nominal gdp if you add 5% find out for the inflation will be at about 11.5 12 and 12.5 so when 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 the economy grows at 12 12.5% companies and corporates and you know debt levels get lower and that is the that is the main peg for the ratings so Uh, they downgraded in uh, they sort of they they changed the stable uh, outlook to negative in 2019 precisely on that regard because at that time if you remember India GDP already slowed down right demonetization GST ILFS banking system problem the NPAs in the banks had led to a growth GDP growth trajectory which was already below four percent when we went into COVID uh, this change in outlook back to stable is kind of an indication by Moody's that. maybe india's gdp growth is you know is likely to come back to that 6 6.5% real gdp level you know which is what it was for a 40 year average if you take india's real gdp growth is 6.2% if you take a 20 year average is it between 6.5 and 7% so the the confidence that the indian gdp growth can sustain and come back to that 6 6.5% is is i think what might have uh, uh, pushed them to change their outlook from negative to stable now what will it take for india to uh, upgrade and go above you know uh, become a better investment grade that sustainability of that real gdp growth like can india sustain at 7 and above for a long period of time without having inflation without having a macro stability concern that we had in 2012 13 without having the current account deficit problem you know if you are able to do that over a say 5 7 year period and you know all that requires a lot of reforms right i mean governments in india since the 1980s have done reforms at their own pace at their own but reforms which will which will ensure that you know power availability roads uh, you know second generation reforms in terms of better rule of law you know more certain certainty in your policy guideline many things contribute to that so i think that is some way away because that has to happen sustainably for a long period of time and should lead to reduction in the debt overall debt to gdp or fiscal deficit right so if that growth comes about so say india can grow at say 12 13% nominal gdp if that happens right then you sh- then you sh- then the rating agency will get com- comfortable and say that okay now the debt to gdp trajectory is actually gone down quite a bit and 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 india can be upgraded uh, because of covid our debt to gdp actually went up so you know first to claw back from that 80 80 85 90% debt to gdp to come back to our earlier level of between 60 and 65 70% that itself will take a few years of of very sustained growth so so mm-hmm. it's a good sign that they have they've done it because that means that indian growth trajectory is back at that 6 six, six to 7% uh, real gdp level but needs to go a lot higher and sustainably to get an upgrade so upgrade is a very very uh, very very uh, it's it's not going to happen anytime soon Thanks a lot uh, for those uh, insights and um, we hope the economy gets in a better shape next time I catch up with you in a podcast. Uh thanks a lot once again Thank for sharing your time with us and we wish you good health. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.
For feedback, you can write to me at nasreen.s at lifemint.com or you can reach out to me on Twitter at Nasreen Story. You can also reach out to us at HT Smartcast. We are present on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And to listen to more podcasts like this, you need to log on to www.htsmartcast.com. This was a Mint production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast.